Hello and welcome to the False Neutral. This is episode number 53. Uh, this is Eric. I am flying solo, or should I say riding solo this week. Uh, Pete and Garrett have the week off. And uh, this week, our focus is going to be a little bit different than normal. We're going to talk about racing, sort of what was what's my wheelhouse of, of the uh, trifecta or the triumphant. Um, have an old friend who, uh, back in the days of the Rumble Strip Radio podcast, I had on with some frequency because he pretty much runs the premier site when it comes to motorcycle road racing, especially with MotoGP and World Superbike. So very happy to have David Emmett from MotoMatters.com on the show this week. David, great to see you again. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me and nice to be on the show again. Well, a different show, obviously, but still. <laughs> yeah. Any show with you is a good show. Ah, thank you. Much appreciated. Yeah, I was looking back at some old thing, uh, some old stuff, and uh, I think the first time I had you on the show, uh, 2007 or 2008. So it's been, yeah, probably. it's been a while. I mean, that was, you were, when did you start the site? Six? Uh, yeah, I started the site in 2006, uh, just, you know, as a hobby. And it turned out that 2006 was a good, uh, a good year to be writing about motorcycle racing because um, uh, it was such a, it was just, such a fantastic season. Yep. Uh, um, was successful enough that I could quit my job in 2008, uh, literally about a week before Lehman Brothers collapsed and the financial crisis happened. Um, but I survived, so uh, pr I presume that I'm going to be okay. <laughs> and as I said before we started recording, if you can make a uh, if you can make a living and, and be doing well covering motorcycles or doing anything in the motorcycle industry these days, you, you you've done something to be proud of. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. So uh, we want to talk mostly about MotoGP here today because that is the you know premier thing in motorcycle road racing. Um, Preseason testing went in many ways about as expected with a number of surprises. I, I think we all expected Maverick to do well. How well is a different story. Um, I think maybe, and we'll, we'll go through these a little bit, Tech 3. Big surprise there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Jorge's struggles, not unexpected, I would I would say. And then we'll talk about Valley a little bit too. But let's talk about Maverick since he's been the uh, the talk of the preseason. Yeah, to be honest, uh, what well, we always suspected that Maverick was a bit special, but we didn't know how special. Um, uh, and, and again, and it it sort of. Uh, he was because obviously he was fastest at, uh, at the Valencia test and you sort of go, all right, well, it's testing. He's really motivated. Um, uh, he really wants to do well. And, um, you know, he's, he, he's obviously going to be ch chasing a fast time where others might be doing a little bit more testing. Certainly, Valentino was much more focused on uh, messing around with a new bike. Uh, Honda were messing around with new engines, that sort of thing. So there was sort of an excuse, you know, is it real or is it not real? And then he turns up at Sepang and he's fastest at Sepang as well. Uh, and he had a pretty good race pace as well. When you look at the longs, uh, the, the, the strings of sort of like long laps he, he put together, um, that was pretty, pretty impressive. Um, but it, there's still sort of question marks. Yeah, it's still testing. He's fastest at, uh, at, at Phillip Island. Um, well, Phillip Island is a rider's track more than a bike track, and there's all sorts of other bits and pieces going on. And then the, the guitar test, he's fastest at the guitar test. Then you start thinking, okay, no, this has to be for real. Um, but he still had his doubters until basically he just blew everyone away at, um, uh, uh, at the first race because the first race, 
Uh, I think he maybe made one or two mistakes, but um, he really came through at the end uh, to, to to win. Uh, he saved his tyres. He did all the things which he'd been practising all, uh, all all winter, which is, you know, looking after your tyres for the second half of the race, um, uh, being cautious in the first part of the race and all the rest of it. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's uh, to me, it's obvious that, that Maverick is... is something very special um and uh before the season i said it was going to be maverick versus mark marquez uh, for the championship and i uh, i've seen nothing to change my mind if anything uh, if anything uh, qatar merely reinforced that i think uh, uh, mark's going to have an even tougher year than we thought it's funny to think that um you know maverick is the new marquez in the sense of he's just coming out and dominating everyone and you think well marquez hasn't been around that long but it's fourth or fifth year in in the top class now for, uh, for this Mark. is fifth yeah, yeah it's, fifth it's, year it's already season. wow yeah that's exactly how time flies well that's it i mean the, the, the other thing is it's hard to believe because he's only what 20 he's only 24 i think or yeah. 24 25 so yeah it's uh it becomes it's hard to believe just because he's so very young um it's also really interesting the most interesting thing to me is how he coped with it because before he was the young kid who was uh coming in and um uh, you know, kicking the old guy's asses, and now he is. Um, the, 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 now the, the the tables have been turned. There's this uh, there's this young upstart who's coming to the class to give him a proper kicking. So it's. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's the cycle of motor, of motorcycle racing life where uh, someone comes in, establishes themselves, and then sort of like three or four years later, they're in real trouble because there's there's some young upstart coming to give them a hard time. You know, they as soon as you start winning two or three, uh, two or three, then you have a time on your back and that's the that's the case with mark now yeah. how he handles that with respect to mark to, to maverick is going to be really interesting yeah uh pre- the uh the the true uh true test of one's character is is not when you're on top but when you've been knocked down and fighting your way back up so yeah yeah exactly which to me is why uh, last year the the 2016 title for marquez was much more impressive because it was sometimes really um uh, i saw him finish sort of like third and fourth a few times when he, you could see that he felt that he he could have pushed and maybe won, but maybe crashed. And he was, it looked, he was wincing. He was in, it was almost physical pain. It was costing him. It was, you know, it it really hurt him to actually have to settle for like third and fourth. But he did it because he wanted to win the championship again. So this is this is, and now he has a, he has a new challenge. This young kid is going to come in and try and kick him, um, and uh, we get to see what he's made of. So let's uh, let's talk about Mark a little bit because essentially I really want to talk more about Danny for more than Mark because Mark we know what we're getting, um, and I want to say not to jump ahead but after after this Qatar race we're seeing with Honda it's like deja vu all over again it's uh, Honda comes into H- Honda comes into Qatar and go everyone's going what's wrong with Honda they're not fast it's not good you know and then Marquez ends up winning the title because yeah. well Honda figures things out through the year right i mean that's just yeah. that's their mo of in the last few years yeah y- yes exactly i mean the trouble is uh, the um Honda have a new bike. They have a new engine. They've switched from this, uh, from the, from what they call a screamer firing, uh, firing configuration to a, uh, to a big bank configuration. Uh, that's supposed to make the engine a little bit more manageable. But the trouble is, uh, in previous years, they used to write all their own software, all their own engine management software, and so it was that they, it was all a known quantity. They knew what to do, and it was fairly easy for them to manage because they, you know, they all did it in house. Now they're having to work with the Magneti Morelli. Um, 
uh, uh, the software, the spec software, and that that is taking them a little bit longer. And it, you saw it last year. Basically, that you know they had too much power, and it took them half a season to figure it out. This year, they've got too much power, or they've got less power and a slightly more manageable engine. But because they've changed the firing order, it means they have to completely uh, re rejig it. Yeah, exactly. They have to, they have to rejigger their electronics, and that's going to take them sort of like three, four, five races. Um, but Mark said during testing uh, that uh, Honda were in a much better situation than they were last year, uh, which should um, uh, scare people. Yeah, definitely. And do they are they still with the reverse rotation motor, or that's one of those things? Yeah, that yeah. Not obviously yeah. they're not talking about, but you can sort of. The smart people can figure out by sound. Yeah, ex exactly. No, the 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 reverse configuration mode. I mean, the the, the first thing they did, uh, I think, last year they turned the they they turned started running the engine backwards because that helps uh, uh, that helps with wheelies. Um, it, it helps keep the front uh, the the front down a little bit, and also helps the uh, helps the bike turn into corners because it sort of it, it works against the rotation of the, the gyroscopic forces of the wheels. Um, so the, 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 they did that. That helped a little bit. Um, uh, but it's still the engine is still too aggressive. Uh, basically, the Honda riders say that they they also struggle with the same thing, which is that when you open the gas, what, the first thing that happens is the rear spins up, and then when it finally stops stops spinning, it grips and starts wheeling. Yeah. Um, uh, so, which is you know you you take your uh, you, you pay your money and you take your choice. Yeah. Um, so it's a very physical bike to ride. Uh, it's a little bit better. Um, it should be better uh, as the year goes on. It's going to get better. But I think the other thing we have to because you, you mentioned Danny and Danny's really interesting because Danny last year struggled so much with the tires, with the Michelins. The Michelins looked really good at the start of the season. But then after um, Argentina last year, where uh, um, uh, the, uh, Scott Redding's tire went bang and they were having real um, wear problems, uh, what happened was Michelin went very conservative on the tyres and the tyres got uh, very uh, they were very hard they hardened the construction they hardened the, the, uh, the, the compounds and because Danny is so light he couldn't he just you know he can't get any temperature into his tyres and he suffered but now they're moving back again and the tyres have come back towards where Pedrosa is sort of thing so um, he's more competitive than he was than he was last year but um, well yeah we have to see we have to see what he's got I mean, yeah. he finished just behind his teammate, you know. Yeah, and and it's one of those things. Well, the BT Sports, well, BT Sports, which I know I can't, I'm not supposed to be able to watch here in the United States, but somehow find a way to do it because that's the for English language the only decent coverage. But that's a separate issue entirely. Um, or the commentary I prefer the most, I guess I should say, is is the better way to put it. But they yeah. uh, they they kept saying, "Oh, the Spanish the Spanish people are talking about Danny and watch out for Danny this year." And um, obviously, he missed out on the championship. Three years ago, when he had the injury at uh, yeah. Motegi, uh, and they're saying, "Well, he's healthy as he's ever been. Essentially, he's in good shape mentally. He's there. The bike probably suits him more. And as you say, with the tires, uh, that he's used to them, and maybe going a little softer. That this could be Danny's year. Of course, every year has been Danny's year for a decade yeah, well, now. Which I yeah, feel bad for the guy. I mean, I, I, I'll raise my hand and say, under the tutelage of um, of uh, Alberto Puig, was not necessarily a fan." But since he's left Puig, he seems to have like a different mental outlook or a different personality. And I can personally get behind the guy a little more. And, and I realize that's dumb because you, you shouldn't, he, he has the same amount of talent. He's just a little more likable now, which yeah, exactly. is the wrong well, reason to, which is the wrong reason to root for a guy, but. 
you know, yeah, no, but I'm that's, human. That's, that's what I mean. In, in the end, that's what happens. You know, you just you either the, the, there's sort of a chemistry thing that goes on. You either like him or you don't like him, and the, and you end up supporting him. And then the, and in terms of talent, there's so there 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 are such small difference that it's really easy to uh, to you know to pick whoever you like really to pick one and choose. But the the bigger change I think for um uh, for Pedrosa this year is in the garage because he's uh, got a different crew chief. I don't think he got on particularly well with the with the previous crew chief Ramon Aurin who took over from um uh from Mike Leitner when Mike Leitner left mm-hmm. so that left a little bit of a uh, of an atmosphere and there was sort of a little bit of a communication problem a bit of a, a bit of an approach problem um he's got a new crew chief Giacomo Guidotti which is uh, uh, which is better um which he's getting on better with uh he also he's being helped by Setejiba now not on a professional basis but just uh, on the basis of friendship sort of thing so you know Jiba now is not there all the time but there's sure all these little things and you know he just he in generally just seems a little bit more sort of cheerful and more subtle and more happier in himself and happy riders are fast riders absolutely i to to kind of illustrate the point of my uh my thing with danny and 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 the and the puig things there was a i'm going to say this was 0708 and danny's going on a vacation on a break with his girlfriend and they're going to borrow alberto's boat but alberto feels the need to come along with him I'm like dude <laughs> give him give the kid a break right he wants to spend yeah. some time with his girlfriend he asked you to borrow his boat that doesn't mean he want to borrow wants to borrow you and spend even more time with you you know he probably yeah, wants, except- he wants a break away from all this i'm sure he needs the mental break yeah, I think what's interesting is because Pooch has been doing an awful lot of um, um, coaching with a, a lot of other riders as well because he's working with John McPhee in Moto Three now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been he's been absolutely crucial in the Asia Talent Cup, and that's produced a couple of uh, fast young races. Um, uh, and I, I think he also led, I mean, I, I interviewed Aki Ayo, um, who runs the Moto Two and Moto Three team, um, uh, and has been champion several times. I, he had Mark Marcus as a rider for a while. So I said, sort of, um, uh, you know, what did Mark Marcus learn from you? He says, don't ask me what Mark Marcus learned from me. Ask ask me what I learned from Mark Marcus. And in this way, I think it's the same with uh, with Pooch. I think with Pooch, with, uh, with Pedrosa, you also learn a little bit about, you know, how much um, – uh, how much leeway to give uh, to give riders, and how much you know you would how much how uh, how tightly to uh, to hold the reins yeah. because you see he, he's looking after Jack Miller now as well, okay. and Jack Miller has made really really big steps forward um, with uh, from working with uh, with Pooch. I get I can't deny the guy's ability to spot and develop ta- talent. I mean, yeah. you know, Casey Stone, you Casey like Stoner, him, Brad, uh, Brad, he worked with Bradley Smith early one twenty five, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, you look at who he's worked with. Okay, the the guys, the guy knows goes where to go. It just it's a personality thing, but <laughs> it, it's a style, it's a style issue, not a uh, not a yeah. uh, talent issue, right? So yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, um, flipping the flipping the uh, uh, things a little bit here. Let's talk about a guy who <sighs> struggling. I guess is going to be a great way. Well, it's an American thing, but anyways. Um, Jorge, yeah, obviously, uh, obviously, big move to Ducati, big money move, big ego move in the sense of let me show I'm going to do what Valet couldn't do. I'm out from under Valet. He's another guy you, you either like or you hate. There is no in between on with, with Jorge, um, and this is going to be a lot tougher than he thought it was going to be. I mean, I just 
is the best way to pull best takeaway so far this year. Uh, yes, yeah, absolutely. If there, I, I think probably the switch between the uh, the Yamaha and the Ducati is probably the biggest switch uh, in in terms of you know bike behavior and bike character that you can make. And um, because the uh, it, one of the things that you that uh, the the old Tech Three guys, Bradley Smith, Paulus Bargaro, used to complain about riding the Yamaha all the time was that the harder you try to ride it, the slower you went. So it was literally you'd have to. It's like a you, I always describe it as like being a Zen thing. You have to get into this Zen meditation where you're not trying to go as fast as possible. And um, uh, the, 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 the slower you uh, try and do everything, the smoother you are, the faster you go. And that was, that was Jorge, uh, Jorge's uh, strength. That was his uh, ability. That was why he managed to get so much out of the, out of the Yamaha. Um, the Ducati is very different. The, the, the Ducati is very much a, a motorcycle. That the, the harder you push it, the, the faster you can go. Uh, and it requires a completely different riding style. The Yamaha was that you brake early and release the brake uh, early, and then carry a lot of sport at the corner into the uh, uh, speed into the corner. The Ducati is you brake late and you carry the brakes all the way uh, all the way to the apex, and then get on the get on the gas and and, and use the uh, use the horsepower. So it's uh, it, it it requires a completely different uh, a different change. It's been interesting. I mean, I don't think. Uh, when Valentino Rossi made uh, made the move, it was probably the toughest move that he ever. It was a much tougher move because the bike was nowhere near as good as it is now. Um, but he's suffering to an extent. He's suffering exactly the same problem where it's it's the, the bike totally did not suit his uh, style. Um, uh, and Jorge, you sort of like see it. There's been days when he's been good, and there's been days when he's been absolutely hopeless. And so it's uh, it, yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be a long year, but it's not going to be. I still think, I still think he can win races this year, uh, but I also expect him, you know, expect him to finish eleventh more than once this year. He, so it's going to be, it's going to be, it's a lot of work. He's got a lot of work ahead of him. Fair to fair to say that he's very much a, a confidence man on on a motorcycle. Oh. When when he's feeling like he's in control, you can't stop him. But if he doesn't feel that, then he looks very average. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, th- this was the thing. I, I spoke to uh, Wilco Zielenberg a couple of times, who was his uh, his team manager at Yamaha and who stayed at Yamaha, because um, uh, we used to talk about, you know, you know, Jorge's no good in the wet, and uh, Wilco would say he's perfectly fine in the wet as long as the grip is consistent. As long as he, uh, if he has consistent grip conditions, and it can be very consistent in the wet. You know, when it's just when there is proper rain, then you understand there is a limit to the grip, and you find the li- you find the grip limit, and then you ride to it. Uh, it's when it's sort of that half on half off where the grip levels are changing per corner um uh, that was when he that was when he really really struggled because and again that's about confidence when it's sort of either fully dry or fully wet then um he can ride using his confidence and push and push and, and see what he's see what he's capable of um i think to an extent this was his problem at, at, at qatar was the things were changing so fast what with the delay with the weather and there was still sort of like little there was still a few damp patches when they started and obviously the the um, uh, the dew starts to form uh, sometime after 10 o'clock and because of the, de- the delay to the start the uh, uh, this was being delayed you know this was being pushed back the start was being pushed back they were getting further and further into the point where you know you're going to be riding uh, when the dew might be forming so that's going to be and it's, that must have messed with his head 
uh, a lot, I think, and I think that explains some of the uh, some of it because he did fa- he had five or six laps where he was on leader pace when he was he did sort of some low thirty uh, low fifty sixes, mm-hmm. you know the uh, at the front of the races they were doing sort of you know fifty fives uh, high fifty fives low low fifty sixes. He did I think five fifty sixes, but he did a whole bunch where he was really an awful lot slower, and that was why he ended up where he did. Yeah. Yep. Um- so we'll talk about his old teammate, I guess, for a second. And and this mostly is about preseason testing, and then we can talk a little bit more about the race. But Father Time being undefeated, you looked at Valet in preseason testing, you go, ooh, has it finally caught up with him? Is this the year we start to see? And, of course, he does what he does in, in a race and just pulls one out of the bag. Um, but... He seems to be valet seems to be struggling a little bit with the changes more so than even last year uh, to the Yamaha. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, the, well this year. Um, or they, they're still, having find, are having a tougher time finding that window which he can operate in. Maybe is a better yeah. way of putting it. Yes, exactly, exactly. I mean, the the thing is, this year's bike is a better bike than last year's. Um, uh, it's got more horsepower. Uh, even the, the 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 chassis is a little bit better. Uh, but his big problem is still the Michelin front. The Michelin front is a little bit too soft for him, and he's sort of caught between the medium and the hard uh, uh, tire. The, the the hard tire is too. Um, uh, he can't quite get enough heat into the hard to be able to use the hard, but the soft it doesn't get him enough support when he's breaking into the corner. So he's uh, he's you know sort of halfway there, and he's trying to find a way to sort of figure that out. And his team are fiddling around with uh, with with setups to find that. Um, uh, they I just saw something where uh, uh, Ramon oh sorry um, Silvano Galbucera his uh, his crew chief said uh, that uh, you know they they found something on the uh, on the friday something in practice that they weren't sure whether it worked and then the you know basically the race showed that it did work yeah. uh, so there is uh, there's reason to be uh, to be helpful and as for father time uh, for hopeful the, 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 as for father time um well at some point father time will catch up with him but we won't find out until afterwards yes i mean you know afterwards you look back on the season and say oh yeah that was the season where uh, where where valentino didn't have it but to you um and it's it, i i mean he's going to be competitive this season he's pr- he's probably going to be competitive next season uh there was a point where i thought he would uh, race for another season after that but i'm starting to think that he he won't because it's becoming uh, it, it, you, you're seeing it starting to take a physical toll on him. He's mm-hmm. thinner than he, he's thinner than he's ever been. Um, he's looking really quite pale. If you remember 2015, for example, the, the, I remember him getting off the bike at Mategi, the first of the flyaway races, and just seeing him looking absolutely exhausted. And I've never seen him look so tired getting off a bike. Uh, so I think, yeah, the, he is reaching the physical limits, but he's also pushing the limits, which is. Um, what's so amazing is the fact that he's still competitive he has no business being this competitive after this many years it's not supposed to happen but you know that's Valentino I mean the last person to be competitive at 38 was nobody (laughs) (laughs) well I mean at, at, at the top level I should say yeah, exactly. I mean, the last person to uh, to win a race at that sort of age was uh, was Troy Bayliss, who I think won uh, won uh, at the age of thirty seven. But then the thing is, Troy Bayliss didn't start racing until he was seventeen or eighteen, and Valentino's yeah. been racing since he was 
he could well, walk. Well, God knows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, I don't think it's quite that bad, but it's not far. You know, yeah, he not... started old for a Spaniard or an Italian, which basically means sort of starting at sort of nine rather than six <laughs> right. or four. Exactly. Yeah. Um, let's quickly touch on the Suzuki pair right now. Um, obviously, that team and the bike showed a lot of promise last year. Some of it you can attribute to Maverick uh really maximizing it but even this year with the anoni on it at least at the first race uh it looked pretty good in preseason testing there or thereabouts uh yeah 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 i mean definitely I, again they have make uh, well the problem that suzuki has is that uh they, they started off with a bike which was obviously inferior and they made a big step from 2015 to 2016 um and uh last year the boat the, the bike was fairly close uh this year the bike is closer still but it's the it's you know the it's the, the the incremental gains get increasingly difficult more difficult to find you can easily if you're sort of two seconds off the pace you can find a second quite quickly but if you're a tenth off the pace finding that tenth is uh you know a thousand th a thousand times harder than finding that that second that you found a little uh, a while before so they are they are getting there the bike is better the, the bike is it, it's got more horsepower for a start um uh, ianoni's been struggling with uh, changing the riding style because he, it's sort of the opposite of the yamaha thing right. uh, he was used on the on the on the uk to be able to break deep into the corner but um uh, the suzuki wants you to uh break earlier and let uh, and let the brakes off uh, ianoni was uh, uh he was quite i mean well he was very impressive at qatar until he became andrea ianoni and um, <laughs> yes. made a mistake and crashed out and that's why andrea dovicioso got to stay at ducati and not andrea andrea ianoni yeah. but there's no doubt there is no doubt that the man is is incredibly competitive i've been very impressed with alex rince i hadn't yes. expected rince to be uh, uh, to be that quick especially because he had a dismal second half of uh, 2016 in moto 2 um, he had an awful absolutely awful test at uh, Valencia, but he came mm -hmm. back and at Sepang he was uh, he was he was quite impressive. Um, at uh, Phillip Island he was really really impressive. I forget where he f I forget where he finished. Top I think sort of like top four five yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean seriously, uh, he was he was right there. But then again, you know, like the, the whole class of rookies has just been it's has amazing just been, Yeah, yeah, it yeah. really is. And we'll talk about them in here in a second. Um, Suzuki, to Suzuki's credit, they're doing as well considering they're pretty much the smallest of the manual. Uh, Japanese manufacturers, and they don't have the extra cubic dollars say, that Honda has from Repsol, yeah. Ducati has from Philip Morris, and Yamaha has from from Movie Star and Monsters. So, um, you know, let's give them credit for where they are. Yeah, absolutely. But again, this is the real difference. Uh, uh, this is where the uh, spec electronics have made a real difference for yes. uh, for, for Yamaha, uh, for Honda. It was a step backwards. For Ducati, they were more or less sort of like staying. They they basically stayed where they were. Suzuki, they made a big step forward because they were always struggling to to, to catch up, and now they don't have to worry about that. And they can actually sort of like they can spend the money that they were having to pour into electronics into different areas of the bike yeah. to actually make the bike better. So it's a it 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 it's, it has been a huge. Um, uh, I mean, the rich teams will always win in well, motorsport sure. because that's 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 what motorsport is yep. 
it's, it's just it's just one of those universal truths. But uh, it, it does mean it, uh, that other factories can be competitive, which before uh, it was impossible for anyone to catch up. Everyone, uh, you know, the, the, the steps being made are, are very, very small at the front of the pack sort of thing. And so you could, if you're a long way behind, you can make big steps to catch up. Yep. But those, those last steps, those, those, those cool. last sort of like few inches, you're a little few, few hundredths of a second, they're the, they're the tough part. Yep. Um- and then to go in the last full factory team, KTM, in some ways you feel a little little bad for those guys because they're just so far behind. But the boys signed on knowing what they were getting into. Yeah. Um, and, and you could really – it was funny to, to hear uh, Colin Edwards talk about in the Friday practice. Like he was watching the bike and go, hey, that looks really familiar. See that back see, – see how that, that, uh, the, all the pump in the, the, rear, uh, the rear end pump on this thing? That's what's killing them. And, and it's funny because as yeah. soon as he points out, that's all you saw from that bike – all weekend yeah. at Qatar, and I'm guessing that's been that way all through preseason. Yeah, I mean, basically, they've been the the, the one thing that they've complained. Well, uh, there's been a few things they complained about. First of all, they complained about the, the bike turning, uh, particularly at Sepang. They said they're having uh, uh, problems getting the uh, get the bike turned. Um, they fixed that. Um, uh, the the bike turns now. Um, they, I mean, this is the thing. KTM have got the, the well, they've got they really do have the cubic dollars uh, from themselves, but also from Red, Red Bull. Bull. Um, uh, and uh, so they bought uh, it's a pang I think they have three different chassis to, to, to choose from uh, they bought another chassis for the Qatar test they bought another or for the Sepang test they bought another one for the uh, for the Qatar test so they can they can uh, act very very quickly and make these changes yep. um, uh, so what is basically uh, what's happened is the bike turns now and now the, the, the real problem that they have is the the engine and the power delivery uh, they started with a very very powerful engine, but they had too much power, and they could, it would just the, it would just end up sort of spinning. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what was interesting was after the first race of the the, the bike actually did at uh, Valencia last year with, with Mika Calio, um, uh, their initial reaction was, oh yeah, well, we found out that what we're lacking is is drive out of corners, and and you don't find that that out until you're actually racing against someone and you watch them disappear down the straight while right. you're still trying to get out of the corners. Yep. So yeah, p- yeah, pumping uh, all the rest of it, they've got. Uh, they've you know they've been throwing swing arms at it but really they need to fix the they need to fix the engine and they really really need to put a lot of work into sorting out the electronics but that's it's just a matter of uh, it's a matter of time um there it's not a question of will because you know that um uh ktm and red bull really want to win and so they're going to put they're going to put the effort in to do it and and then, like you say, you can you can you can figure out so much in in testing, and you can test as much as you want. But until you're essentially live fire against everyone else, and you're pushing that extra bit because you are an actual competition, you don't yeah. find that last three to five percent. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you could look at you could look at lap times all you like, um, uh, but you don't really find out where you what your real weakness is until you actually ride against someone else, yep. uh, until you actually you know uh, uh, try and pass them or see them come past you, try and follow them. Uh, that's that, that's when you find out how different your bike is and where your where your weaknesses are. So I want to spend a little time talking about the the privateer teams here and include Aprilia in that, even though because it's a semi-factory deal through Grassini. But one of the things I was very happy to see is that Dorna is finally taking all this TV money or the TV money they get. 
and for the lack of a better term, doing a little revenue sharing and helping support the privateer teams. Um, money's flowing into to Tech Three, to Grassini, the LCR, and 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 some of the other places. Um, and you're seeing that. I don't know if it just if they're able to hire one or two more people and things up, but it's it's like the best. The 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 privateer teams are at the best level I think I've seen since oh four oh five when Tech Three was somewhat competitive, Grassini was competitive, uh, while well, Pons was far back, farther back. But I mean, it, it's like okay, they're not going to win a championship, but they're the the riders can be in the in the top five somewhat consistently, and they'll be on the podium a few times a year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what what happened was with, with the money was they they changed the way that the deal was done. I mean, they always got a little bit of support. Um, uh, I think previously they got something like um, a million in in travel costs, and they got free tires and one or two others, um, uh, and it added up to uh, about one and a half million, something like that. Was was the was the overall uh, amount of money which they were they were given. They're now getting so I think off the top of my head something like two million a year, mm-hmm. and the uh, more important. Importantly, the, the 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 bikes have all been price capped, so they can't yep. charge more than two point two million for a um, uh, for a bike for a season. Uh, not that uh, factories haven't managed to find ways around that price cap, but um, that's that, that's always that's always going to be, be the way. But even then, it's still managed to actually limit yep. uh, limit the amount they're actually spending. So they do have a little bit more time. Um, but again, you know, the, the electronics has helped. Yep. Um, yeah, it's leveling, getting, it's, as far as a leveling field, yeah, I mean, because you're not spending six million dollars figuring out electronics. It's here's your package. There yeah. you go. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they're still behind. I mean, the satellite teams will always be behind because they, you know, as um, uh, 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 Paul uh, Espargaro and Bradley Smith always used to say, you know, we've got one electronics or you know, one data guy between the two of us, and and the, and the factory guys have got two each plus a a, a, a truck full of um, a truck full of them sort of at the back. Sure. But um, uh, they at least they're at least they're closer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think this year is also more different because obviously the difference between 2015 and 2016 was, uh, particularly for Tech Three, the, the the Tech Three boys were basically on the, on the bike which had been developed for the Bridgestone tires, mm-hmm. and so in 2017. Uh, they're on the basically the what Yamaha does is they roll uh, they rolled Rossi and Lorenzo's bike out uh, bikes out of the uh, Movistar garage at the at Valencia on Sunday night and straight into uh, uh, straight into the Tech Tech Three garage. They do that every year, so you're always on sort of you know the the last year's factory bikes basically. Um, but last year's factory Yamaha was developed for the developed for the Michelins and it worked very well on the Michelins. Um, and so uh, Zarco and Folger actually start with. Uh, they, they start with a better bike um, uh, you see uh, the Honda is slightly different ha- uh, Honda actually uh, basically uh, on at Honda you start off at the uh, at, at the first race you start off with a brand new 2016 bike or 2000 and whatever the season is this year they started off with a brand new 2017 bike and then that's what the, the, that's their lot until the end of the season um uh, so you saw miller had a good race um uh, you know, well crutch well crutchlow managed to bin it because of the uh, because he he struggled with the tires with the, with the front tire especially um but uh, yeah i mean it it really it has made it just a lot more competitive a lot a lot closer at the front than the, the, the machinery is closer there's not uh, the, the factories don't have the enormous advantage that, the, that they have yep. 
And uh, we, we sort of alluded to it earlier, but um, uh, in preseason testing and then obviously in the race as well, Tech 3, uh, their two rookies, Zarco and Folger, wow, they've, uh, they've really, really impressed probably. I mean, again, talent was known, but maybe weren't expecting quite that much. And, and with, um, uh, you know, at, at taking the lead and, and running, essentially running away for the first six, seven laps yeah. there. Um, you know, that was, that was, that was Casey Stoner esque. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Show up I mean, to your was... first race at Qatar and just kind of like, see ya. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, it was, uh, that was the most impressive thing. Also, not, not just because Zarco, led the race there have been other people who sort of you know read uh who, they've led the race for you know a lap or half a lap no, but he was been... he was gapping marquez <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly i mean when you're putting time into marquez then really seriously there is something big going on um uh, what was interesting was in the press conference afterwards that uh, uh, Valentino Rossi said, yeah, 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 Franco Morbidelli had warned him about uh, uh, about Zarco because he said he's able to do something special at the end of the at the end of the race. But you saw also with the, the way that Zarco rode in Moto2, to, to, for a start, it suits the Yamaha. I think his style really suits the Yamaha. Um, he's very, very smooth. He's very He's a he's a very strange young man, but he's very he's very intense. He's very very concentrated. He's very serious, um, uh, and it, it it just totally suited. It, he totally suits that bike. But he also the the fact that he manages to extract that kind of performance out of it um, uh, is amazing. What was it? What I found really interesting was that because uh, he had a a crash at the they had a, pro, a private test at Sepang in November. He had a crash there and he that uh, lost a lot of confidence on the first day at Sepang. He he didn't feel he, yeah he, he lacked confidence a little didn't feel very confident with the bike it rained on the second day um there and so what he did was he went out the the track was sort of half wet half dry not really properly wet um so he just went out on a uh, on a set of wet tires and i think he did something like 12 10 12 15 laps uh destroyed a set of wet tires on um, on a drying track but he understood he got to understood how the bike felt he understood where the limit was better it was a it was a very it was a typically Zarco thing to do, which is where you take a problem, you, you approach it very intellectually, isolate the problem, figure out the problem, and then uh, uh, and then cope with it. And then since then, he's been just incredibly consistent. Also, even when you look at his race simulations, he was uh, he's been very consistent. And the same with Folger. Folger is, uh, I mean, we always well we knew Folger was fast because he won in moto two but then you know Folger was one of those box of chocolates kind of riders where right. you never know what you're going to get yeah you know yeah do you, you might win and then sort of for the next race he's he's 15th or or 18th or something um but Folger has been much uh he's been much more consistent he seems also to be a, a just a lot happier on a motor gp bike mm-hmm. Um, which also happens to riders that they switch classes and and they're just immediately more comfortable on a, on a bigger bike or a different bike. Sure. Um, talk a little bit about the uh, Aprilia and and Grassini. I mean that they were sort of you weren't sure, but at least showing a guitar, it looks like they've made a pretty big step this year. Yeah, they they have made a big step. But also, I think it's, to a to a certain extent, it's also a riding style. I mean, there's a couple of things which have happened there. I mean, the the the, the first year that there was a, that they were a factory team, um, the bike was 
basically not very good but it was basically just an rsv4 mm-hmm. uh race bike which which had uh, had some pneumatic valves fitted and bits and other bits and bobs uh, last year they uh, uh, built a completely new engine for it and that made a really big difference um but it was still very much down on power um it was still heavy uh which made it difficult to turn uh they got a new engine about halfway through the through the season and you immediately saw the difference that it made in um um uh, and i think a new chassis as well you, it made a really big difference in, uh, to the results because all of a sudden they were uh, sort of aprilia's knocking on the top 10 and getting into the top 10 uh, both bautista and bradle were riding really really well mm-hmm. um They've made another because they've got another all new bike. The bike is lighter again uh, by several kilos, um, uh, and it's easier to turn. Um, they've got a little bit more power, uh, and basically the bike also suits Alicia Spargo style just an awful lot more. He can uh, ride the. I mean, he rides the bike on the front wheel, so he can break deep into the corner. Um, he can uh, he can get the bike turned how he wants uh, how he wants to. He can really use the uh, uh, you, you know, he can use that that sort of stability on braking and turning to to, to do what he wants with the bike. Um, they have changed the uh, they changed the electronics because when he said when he got on the bike the bike didn't want to accelerate uh, and they had an awful lot of traction control. Both Bautista and Bradle were using a lot of traction control and that was stopping the bike from providing drive. Um, and so Espargaro's dialed that all the way back down again and the bike is giving him a lot more acceleration so he's uh, yeah I mean Aleish his his result at um, Qatar was really really impressive he was really really quick uh, and he's very very promising and deserved also for Aprilia because they put in a lot of hard work to actually get there and now they're starting to now they're starting to look like a properly competitive package Sam Lowe's a different question. Sam Lowe's is um, uh, he's got a lot to learn. Basically, he's just got a lot to learn, and he's only he only got the 2017 bike at the Qatar test. The previous test, he was on the 2016 bike, so he's just uh, you know he's a long way behind. But he's got a, he's got a lot of learning to do. We've got we can't you have to sort of like wait for wait to pass judgment on him until uh, sort of midway through the season. Yeah, he's thrown in the really thrown in the deep end. On, yeah, on he's really one. thrown a, because because he's also he's thrown onto a bike. Uh, onto an unproven bike i mean like folger and sarko they know what they've what they've got they've also got a uh, a team around them who've, who know the bike backwards and forwards and upside down um uh, it's much easier to sort of you know bring someone uh, bring someone in and and, and uh, sort of sort them out also just mentally you know that the bike is good mm-hmm. so when you come in and you know the bike is good it's much easier to go faster when you come in and and you have your own doubts about the bike uh, doubt is the enemy of speed yeah, and absolutely. I, I think that's uh, sam lowe's um uh, sam lowe's problem at the moment we don't want to take too much out of the first race at Qatar because it's a unique track, unique situation being run at night in the desert, dampness here, there, obviously rain just kind of out of nowhere. Um, I, we, we're going to talk more about that. We'll run a little bit longer than I expected, but that's fine. Um, we can't take too much out of Qatar to project forward through the season, but based on what you've seen so far, what are you thinking 2017 looks like for MotoGP other than probably the most competitive season ever which has been nice because it's been this way for a few years it just keeps building and building 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, the great thing about it is this is a really exciting. So, I mean, the, it's a really, really tight uh, group of talents. Um, and uh, on any given day, there are five riders who stand a very good chance of winning. And there's, you know, two, three, four other riders who, you know, could quite easily win. You wouldn't be surprised if they ended up on the top step. So, yeah, it is really tight. I still think it's going to be Mark versus Maverick. Um, uh, that's what all the pre-season testing sort of says. And also the same at uh, the, the same at Qatar. You saw that, um, you know, Maverick has the speed and he's been working on a consistency. Mark has been working on nothing but his consistency. Uh, the bike is going, to, is going to be good and it's going to come better. Um, it's going to be between those two. But if either... Either of those, if they start tripping each other up, which they quite easily can, then you know Valentino Rossi is right there with them. Uh, we've got to see what Danny Pedrosa uh, can do. Andrea Dovizioso was just really, really impressive at the first race, and and is impressive. It's just that the the Ducati. The, they still haven't figured it out to be fast at every single track, mm-hmm. um, but he can be. He's going to be a, a, a real factor. We have to wait and see what I mean. I, I'm going to suspend judgment on uh, Lorenzo for a moment. Um, but basically, uh, it, it looks like it's going to be, you know, uh, Mark versus Maverick with uh, some wild cards who can um, who, who are going to cause a lot of upsets. Can uh, can Cal continue his sort of back end of 16 form, you think? Uh, yes, definitely. Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, you know, Carl is one of those riders who you know can. Uh, he's not one of the riders who can, who where uh, you know he can win every race he lines up at. But you know, he, he's he has a very good chance of winning at least one race by uh, by the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's going to be on the podium a bunch of times as well. So he's, he's really going to be uh, uh, that's going to be interesting. Uh, and it's re- I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, both uh, Folger and Zarco can do this year because I have a feeling that they're going to be much more of a uh, uh, fly in the oint- ointment um, than uh, than any others uh, than, than the others were expecting. So I mean, if Zarco can do that at Qatar, then you 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 know he can do it at other uh, other races. I mean, uh, uh, Le Mans is not a, it's not a Yamaha track but uh lamar might be uh, but um uh you know sarko sarko won at Mugello or at uh, barcelona that would be that would be rare reasonably spec or assen that would be yeah. fairly spectacular yeah, i think the bt guy the bt sports guys were, were joking when uh, when zarko was running up front well uh um, Hervé's got his year's worth of uh, sponsorship exposure for, for Monster <laughs> in these first six laps. So, but I mean, they, they, you know, Monster might, as you say, Monster uh, and Dewalt and all and everyone on that team could be getting a lot more exposure than they were expecting, which I'm sure they'll be happy for. Um, briefly, let's uh, let's touch on Moto Two and Moto Three. Um, honestly, I haven't followed the preseason testing that much. Um, have only really caught bits and pieces of of the races at Qatar, but as you'd expect, Moto Two, it's it's going to be a wild year. In Moto Three, there are a lot of talented kids up there that are ready just to break through. So, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, Moto Two, uh, it, it Moto Two, it really looks like it's going to be Franco Morbidelli's year because um, uh, he's been coming for a little while. He had his first win finally at Qatar, yep. but also during testing, he was, he's just been the most impressive. Uh, there's a few other names to be watching out there. Miguel Oliveira on the KTM. It's also interesting that KTM have actually entered with their own chassis in that class. Uh, that chassis is immediately competitive, which is really, really, yeah, it's really good news. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I wrote, not, not a not a total wipe of Calix across the board. Yeah. 
yeah yeah yes exactly yeah exactly also it raises it means everyone has to raise their game so uh which is which is good for everyone um uh you know and, the, and there's the usual names there's takanakagami there's tom Luti, uh veterans who've been in the class for a long time and really and and really need to step up and uh to win it and win a championship but they end up being basically the yardstick by which everyone else is measured um so yeah it's going to be a good year it wasn't a classic moto two race but it was still uh, there was still plenty of intrigue going on um i think moto three is is um going to be absolutely fantastic because last year we had this fantastic class of rookies who entered um uh, moto three they are they've now been there for this is all their second year people like uh, joan mir and um uh, aaron canet uh, nicola bulega andrea mino all these riders um very very impressive um in their first year they needed a year of experience uh, to sort of understand uh, a little bit of racecraft how to manage race all the all races and all the rest of it and th- that looks to be happening uh, happening there a lot more mature this year um the way that Juan Mir actually managed that managed that race he did what Brad Binder did last year which was stay near to the front throughout the race in, in a big group because it, what happens in in those big groups is uh, if there's a split between the break uh, uh, between the group then quite often the second group can't catch up to the front group again and then that that that's it you resign to finishing seventh or eighth or or mm. whatever um so Juan Mir managed it very very uh, managed it very well very uh, sensibly uh got a deserved win John McPhee also really mature and impressive race uh McPhee is a little bit older but um uh, yeah I mean it, it, there's a lot to look forward I mean motor three races are always the best races of the yeah. uh, 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 of the weekend anyway just because you know that going into the last lap there's going to be there's basically five or six guys uh, who could quite easily win yeah, the, uh, the last lap of moto three has more action than the entire season of formula one yeah. <laughs> pretty much yeah yeah pretty much pretty much it has it has certainly has more passes in it than that yeah yeah, yeah. exactly so cool i think it's a, a good place to uh to call it we ran a, a little bit longer than planned but i think that's fine a lot of a lot of good stuff to uh to talk about actually we could have probably gone for another 45 minutes talk diving diving a little deeper but uh you know the 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 false neutral crew isn't exactly the the hardcore sport uh, uh racing people but i think there's an interest and hopefully they've enjoyed this and david of course uh always great talking with you uh remind everyone where they can find all your great uh, work Right. Well, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Moto Matters, or you can go to motomatters.com and uh, read my very, very long uh, ramblings about um, about MotoGP. And and I want to say that's one of the best things is it's uh, and one of the reasons why his, from my opinion, his site is one of the best is uh, there's long form and then there's good long form. And when it comes to race content, and David's long form is is among the best. And he's won awards for it, so it's not just me saying it. So, David, appreciate the time, and and thanks for joining us. Yep, thanks for having me on. 